So, yeah, getting this thing started, how would you describe what true self alchemy is and what do you speak about on there? What's it all about? Thank you, Gary. I love that question. We're diving right into the heart of it. I love it. Mm -hmm. So we could start by just taking a look at the words themselves. I'm a big fan of words. I'm a big fan of the resonance behind words. So let's start with alchemy. I know that's been a very hot word recently Hmm. Um, for good reason. For good reason. I feel that a lot of a lot of us, especially those of us who are really connected to, let's call it the evolution of consciousness on the planet, are aware that the evolution of consciousness isn't about going heavily towards, let's just say, the light or running away from the dark. We're starting to understand that consciousness is a wide spectrum a wide field of energy. And I perceive, and many of us perceive alchemy as a merge of the energies, a merge and a mix of the energies. And the alchemist is one who is able to witness and be aware of all the polarities of life and understand and discern how to work with the polarities, how to mix them and how to navigate life. I would say nature itself, the earth, is one of the original alchemists holding the balance of, let's say, life and death, light and dark, the cycles. And in that way, when we are engaging in alchemy, we are coming back to the origin of ourselves. And so in this case, what am I defining as the self? For our purposes, I'm using self in a playful way. Because the self, you know, a lot of times can refer to, let's say, the individual, right? The one. But in this case, we can talk about the little self or we can talk about the whole self, the expanded self. And my answer to that is when I say true self, am I talking about the individual or the whole? The answer is yes, right? True self alchemy. Again, the polarities, the the individual, the expanded. And true is an interesting word. I sat with it a bit when I was first playing with it because what is the what is the resonance of truth? Like that can be right. That can be a very charged concept as well. Like who is who is who is owning or 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 holding holding the truth. But in this case, uh, I hold that word very lightly because let me feel how I how I would best explain that. In this case, to me, truth is something that is more of a resonance. It's less of an opinion or a certain perspective or a dogma or a belief or a story, but it's more of an attunement to a state of being. Yeah. That's how I would, that's how I would describe it. I would, I would almost correlate truth with when you're tuning an instrument and you are aligning the notes. Yeah. Mm. So true self alchemy is the attunement of your smaller, greater self 
and being able to hold all the all the polarities and perspectives all at once. So you can have this individualized experience while also be connected to the expanded experience of yourself and navigate this world in that way. Mm -hmm. Well said. That was good. Oh, great question. I think that's the most fun way I've ever explained that. I like it. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting. What does this alchemization process look like from an outward point of view? I know it may seem a little in depth, probably is, but how would you describe what this has been like for you? How do you attune? to this alignment? How do you tune yourself to the right notes um, in your life, you know, practically speaking? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. And I think that's one that many of us are navigating with in this world, in this reality. When we're born into the world, this is something I've actually been reading about recently. When we're born into the world, we as babies, learn to regulate ourselves through the connection with our parents, like literally, like when they hold us, our systems regulate mm-hmm. through connecting with them, through the heartbeat, through the, through the body wisdom and experience. And for many of us, that is our point of origin to our true north, whatever experience we had when our bodies were first attuned. And this is, I'm bringing this up because we are multidimensional beings, meaning we are beings that exist on multiple levels, multiple dimensionalities. And I'm sure anyone who is tuning in has a certain experience of that. One of those dimensions is our body dimension. And then we have our emotional dimension, our mental dimension, the spiritual dimension. There's there's many different layers. So... Finding that true north is a bit about being able to synchronize, finding your synchronization point across all these dimensions. Many of us still are exploring that or maybe have a little bit of wobbliness around it because sometimes we try and find it in the mental realms right? Sometimes we're even trying to fix our emotions or for myself, for example, I did a lot of spiritual seeking, especially when I was younger, because I felt so wobbly and learned a lot of concepts. But it wasn't until I looked at all the different layers of myself and started to bring them back into their more, let's say, natural or base state before I found that set point. So, Body, emotions, self, mind, self, spirit, self. There may be many other layers, but just for the purposes of this, it's helpful for us to just kind of create a few containers that we can connect with. Mind, body, spirit. Mm -hmm. So for me, what helped me to begin my attunement actually began with my body, with rooting with my body. Mm -hmm. And I feel that this is a really important thing to talk about because at least I can speak for myself. I spent a lot of time up here, like literally in meditation or dreams or actual traveling and finding the truth and connected to some very amazing experiences of consciousness 
but it was almost like I was always slightly tilted until I actually started coming back into my body intelligent. Mm -hmm. Now, I think there's many of us who are more and more aware of it. There's a lot more um, discussion about somatic therapy and awareness, soma of the body. And people are, you know, engaging more in things like yoga, active movement. Um, the breath can, of course, be really helpful for the, the body-spirit connection. But my attunement really started when I got deeply, deeply committed to recalibrating my body and my nervous system. And for the sake of this discussion, there are many, many ways to get back in tune with your body and nervous system. There's some excellent books and resources out there. Let me see if I feel there's, there's not one I feel called to mention right now, but what I can say is if there is someone, you know, who's listening to this and suddenly it resonates to them to start working with their body, I would encourage at a, at a very minimum, if you start daily, like committing to standing on ground in nature somewhere with your bare feet, and you do this for even, I would say almost 10 minutes every day, and breathe. And even if you did nothing else or knew nothing else about this, but committed to that, let's say for about 20 days, the change in your body and nervous system is incredible. Like just as a starting point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Orienting your body. From there, we work with the, I would say almost emotional body. And a lot of this practice, a, a recent thing that's come through is the internal family systems. It's the awareness that we sometimes have multiple aspects of self that are working within us that are essentially maybe echoed stored memories that we keep within our body. So when you start working with your body and grounding your body, sometimes you're actually moving through energies and echoes that are stored in your body that had been at the subconscious level. So when you start working with those and communicating those, again, you're bringing yourself back into coherence. Like everything I'm talking about is a very practical process of meeting yourself on a consistent level to create coherence mm -hmm. through all the layers mm -hmm. of yourself. It's actually a very practical process. This is the thing I want to emphasize. Although this is a very, it ultimately connects you in a very spiritual and expanded way. The steps itself are about consistently meeting yourself yeah. and meeting parts of yourself that have felt tilted with regular steady practice, first of the body, then of the energy, then of the mind, and then of spirit, in order to do the, what we call like the musical tuning, so to speak. And the mental practices could be seen as what you place your focus on. So we talked about the body, which could even start with grounding. And of course, that can include things like exercise. The emotions are often about genuinely feeling your feelings, not mentally thinking about them, not, not decoding them. It's, it's, it's a very animalistic almost expression. Sometimes in my space, I'll sit here and I'll roar or I'll scream or I'll do something like, like animals yeah. have a lot of wisdom in that, yeah. right? They'll like, shake themselves yeah so embrace your emotions rather than run away 
Correct. Just not in a destructive manner. <laughs> correct. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, it's, and this is actually why a lot of people, which is why exercise or movement or, you know, uh, some of these practices like things like jujitsu are coming into uh, popularity because they actually combine body awareness with um, emotional like awareness because you're moving your body and you're also processing it through through the movement and the connection and connecting with another person. Yeah, it's an energetic outlet. Mm -hmm. All forms of exercise right. I feel like could be utilized in that way, especially like weight training, MMA, um, any intense form of exercise, I feel as though does that for a person. It's a, an emotional outlet where one can embrace their inner anger or their inner whatever is going on and utilize in that way so that we don't, like I said, be destructive with it. We don't utilize it on another person, you know, or yourself as well. It's just like a healthy True. way to embrace the animalistic instincts within us. Cause it's in there. Like you said, it's in there and you either ignore it, you either run away from it and that causes suffering or you work with it in the wrong way. You just got to work with the energy in the right way. I feel. And once, once you do, um, I don't know. Yeah. Just, uh, once you know how to work with the energy, it is quite practical for sure. And simple, you know, it's, it's simple to have routines like exercise, regular exercise or regular, you know, outlets, whatever it is. Like I said, it's very simple to do that. And once you know, the thing is too, is, sorry to take over. I know you were talking. The thing is, I um, love it. What? <laughs> that once you like know how beneficial it is it just feels right right like mm. it just feels like yep this is what i gotta do i gotta hit the gym i gotta do some yoga today i gotta go yes. roll on the mat with some dude because like or else you know it's kind of like that or else i'm gonna feel this way <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what i've come to realize at least it's like you have to embrace yes that we are there's one side of us that is this angelic compassionate force we are angels in a way but yet on the other side of the spectrum we are still animals and you can't ignore that as much as you want to and as much as your ideals tell you you're not like you still have to embrace the human side the animal side the ape side of us and once you do i feel as though once you embrace both sides that's the superhuman and then in there is that coherence you know, balancing the beast and balancing with the light. And then, yes, that is, I feel, is a culmination of the middle way or the path, as we like to call it. Ooh, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. And yeah. I fully agree. You're describing alchemy, like, mm -hmm. for sure. And that's, I love that because um, we were actually having, you know, a brief conversation before this about the, uh, you know, like chimps and, and apes and their society and the way they express self and their connection to us and, and how we are connected to the animal realms. Like mm -hmm. humans are such interesting creatures because we're, we're, we're in these bodies. We, we, we have animal and we have divine. Yeah. We have consciousness and then we have you know, the, the, the body, the, the sweaty, the grunty, expressive parts. And the interesting thing 
a very interesting thing is I've also studied um, one of the things I love to do is study patterns and cycles. And, you know, I've studied some of the stories and histories, patterns and cycles of previous advanced civilizations, even even consciously advanced, you know, things like Atlantis or Lemuria and Mm -hmm. some of the perspectives, some of the perspectives of the downfall of it was when an overemphasis of consciousness was made without integration of some of the human, some of the some of the seeming base self. Right. So when we when we overemphasize one side or another, we start to create like a topple imbalance effect. Mm-hmm. Correct. And I think, you know, what I what I love, and this is actually something really interesting. I love that you brought up the um the animal side because one of the things that um, came through for me personally, because I, I had spent a lot of my 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 twenties, especially um, doing a lot of like, well, if I if I get super consciously evolved, if I connect to all this stuff, like everything will be solved. I'll get it. Mm-hmm. But I found myself more and more untethered from reality, and and I yeah, found myself exactly. almost just like disassociated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what I found was. The more I was actually making, uh, approaching life, and I love what you said also by the simple, the more I was approaching life from the simple steps, the simple iterative actions, the simple act of moving my body, of of walking and of having a consistent practice with myself and body actually helped amplify what we might call magic or higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was actually the application of the most simple, basic steps that has, I felt, allowed me access to some of the deepest realms and understandings that I have ever been able to tap into. Amen to that. Yeah. It's well said. I don't know what to say to that. It is well said. It's true. Though. <laughs> I was like, Where, where's my mic? Do the <laughs> Yeah, that's a mic drop moment. No, it's very well said. Uh, moral of the story, though, is it starts with the body. It really does. If anyone's wondering, listening to this, like, what do I do? Where do I start? What are these people talking about? It starts with just creating healthy routines for oneself, healthy rituals around, surrounded around the body. You have to be healthy first. It doesn't mean you have to be a health freak, but just some basis of health. You know, taking care of this, the base camp of the body, the, the, I like to look at it as the body, almost like a membrane, um, or maybe a radio tuner. Some people use that metaphor, you know, whatever way, whatever metaphor you want to look at it, it's like energy passes through, we take in and we output the energy input output machine in a way, very simplistic manner. I know, but sort of is like that. We're an input output. So if you're inputting just bad stuff. Just we all know what's not good for us. You're inputting junk on from the internet, junk food, junk people, <laughs> junk energy. You're inputting all of this junk energy in yourself. You're going to output it to the world. And more importantly, you're just not going to feel good. Like that that process between input and output is ultimately how you feel. 
and it's not going to feel good putting in junk. We all know this. We all know this. We've heard all, you know, everyone has heard this before. So I'm not saying anything new here, but it can't be iterated enough. You have to take care of yourself. And if you're not taking care of yourself, I don't know. Spirituality only goes so far. Like you have to start with a basis of health, man. You know, you have to start with your body. And if you're not, man, like throw higher consciousness out the window, throw transcendence out the window because it's just not going to work. It's not going to compute. Like you said before, you were able to touch into higher states by taking care of your lower states. And it's that simple. You can't bypass this process. You have to really, really take care of your body. And from there, you just kind of know, like when you, once you have your radio tuner dialed in, you know, you have it working optimally. I feel as though once you know what's good for you, there's a sense of discernment that comes about in one's life that leads one in a direction toward things that are just naturally good for you. You know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> and that's super well said. Thank it's you. super well said. And here we can even riff on this a little deeper because even though, you know, from one perspective, you're right, like this has been said a lot. I feel that this is of such great service to all of us to not only hear and remember this, but I have found you know, if, if, if one views themselves potentially as an alchemist or a magician or a wizard or a priestess or what have you. I like to say I'm a wizard. Yeah, you, you are a wizard. That's <laughs> <I'm> Gary Potter. <laughs> All of the most empowered wizardy magical beings that I know are such because they follow some of the most simple, basic, these basic practices, because our bodies are essentially our wands, yeah. our spines, our spines are our inner wands. They are what helps not only bring through some of the greatest information, but for those who are tuning in, First off, you are also, of course, wizard, wizardesses, or however you identify, because otherwise you wouldn't be connecting to this level of frequency of what we're talking about. And if you are excited about attuning yourself more, in the sense, true self-alchemy is about bringing yourself to the level of attunement that the elements of yourself that are not you not only effortlessly fall away, mm -hmm. but you are able to engage with life at such a level of discernment yeah. that moment to moment, you're like, yes, no, yeah. yes, no. And you can navigate, right? Mm -hmm. And this comes from, we're talking about these physical practices, the health of the body. This is like, let's call it keeping, keeping your wand clean, mm -hmm. <laughs> keeping your keeping your attunement clean, these, these basic, simple, maybe even seemingly boring practices mm. are the daily steps you take so that moment to moment, as you are Gandalfing around in the world, you are able to just meet the moment with the precision of magic it needs 
because here's my here's my fun thing. I love talking about Gandalf because if you've ever like read the books or watched the stories, like we all know he's an incredibly powerful being. But a lot of times the way he moves through the world is like with a few simple words or maybe he shines a little light or he does like most of the time he's not just like, okay, dragon or, you know, fireball or something. He's 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 always present and he's always applying precise knowing Mm. to the moment, Mm. precise knowing to the moment. And he's sometimes there and he's sometimes not he 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 knows when to be he always as a wizard you know always arrives exactly exactly on time exactly yeah. what he's meant to or yeah. she's meant to yeah. and in this way the simple practices we use help us be precise with the with the with our application of magic of precision of consciousness however you want to look at it yeah well said again that's for sure damn Shout out Gandalf. Shout out to Gandalf. There's got to be something in there too, how he went from Gandalf the gray to the white. Some symbolism in there that's resonating, but I can't explain it at this point. Would you, do you know what the story is behind him? Is this some kind of hero's journey? Like how, why, how can we relate Gandalf going from Gandalf the gray to the white? Is there anything in there that's resonating for you? Let's feel that. And, you know, what I'm going to speak on is I'm just going to speak on the symbolism that wants to come forward, you know, not necessarily the specific lore or the specific, you know, backstory of it. Like what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull through whatever information wants to come on that, that that may be resonant and relevant to what mm-hmm. we're talking about. So asterisks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right there. So I do think it's very interesting Here's how here's how I'll speak on it. Gray is an interesting one, right? Because it really is the in between of black and white. Okay, right? It's the it's the merge of the colors, but you also can associate gray with things like smoke and with things like or things like fog or things like um, being through a certain level of mist. Being Gandalf the white. Through this process, so so he he was Gandalf the Grey until he fought, fought a Balrog, right? A Balrog is essentially, like, for the purposes of this, let's just say, like, a, a demon of, of great power and um, fought it for, like, just, I think it was, like, days. It was it was an intense, insane battle. And at the end, they, they both essentially lay dead. And I would compare that process to when when the self let's say it was meant to be like a rebirth process it's like when the self comes face to face with its pure opposite and the the battle that occurs and essentially to the point of if gandalf represents holding holding a true frame of resonance and the Balrog represents force or opposition to that. And the battle is one is holding true resonance and the fight against it to the point where it's all but destroyed. Being Gandalf the White represents the rebirth process, in a sense, the alchemy that comes from, from going into the fire, the phoenix, right? Going into the fire, having everything else burned away and white 
is the color of uh, purification. It's light. it's light. It's all it's all the colors. Yeah, think about the scene right? when when they first when the first scene of Gandalf the White. It was blinding light, right? They couldn't see him. They were like, ah. So it is. It is rep. This is this is good, man. This is this is a good talk. This is representative of the rebirth of light within Gandalf and oneself. Yeah. You could even say. <sighs> but you gotta tackle the demons first, man. We all got the demons. You gotta tackle the demons. We gotta recognize the Balrog is there, is lurking. And until you take care of it, you cannot uh you cannot become reborn. You have to recognize that we all do have the Balrog within. The animal, the animal within, the beast within. Can't ignore it forever. It's there. But the thing is we can we can um start to work with it. You don't necessarily have to kill it. I don't know if you you know, killing you know, do you ever extinguish the animal self? I think to a certain degree, yeah. I think that's kind of what the process is about. The thing is, it's not done overnight. It takes time. You know, it takes time to fight the demons. We all got skeletons in our closet. So it takes time to be able to um, to alchemize and become the warrior of light, one could say. You know, become your own Gandalf the White. But it's possible because I think that's what this whole path is about, honestly. Um I think it is about becoming light beings and this may be a little esoteric but i think that's what we're doing is we uh we got to this point of the body but i really do believe what we're doing is evolving out of this body and becoming disembodied right that might seem a little scary but i think we're becoming these disembodied light beings you can feel that when you tap into yourself your sense of consciousness that it extends past the body but it's almost like we're trapped we're not really trapped definitely not trapped but we're using this as a vehicle uh to metamorphosize outside of the body, I believe. That's where this whole thing is going. We're finding ourselves out of the animal. We needed to be, become the animal at first to be where we are now, but now we have to start to work with the animal, transmute the animal, and then ultimately we do become these beings that I can't even think to describe. I can feel it though inside. You know, you could probably feel it within yourself where we're going and where we're evolving and where this is all leading to, you know, the kingdom of heaven within, as they say. Um, but it takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of time and refinement. And that's all part of the journey. You know, that's the hero's journey that we're all on. But I do think, and like I said, it might seem a little esoteric. What this is all coming to, leading to for all of us is eventually transforming somehow, some way out of these bodies and becoming, you know, astral, etheric in a way. And uh, that is our metamorphosis to Gandalf the White. <laughs> yeah. oh that's fun i love that may i riff on that a little bit that's, i would love what we're doing we're some, riffing. <laughs> we're, 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 i'm loving that yeah you know an interesting thing so one of my um one of my personal skill sets i call it uh, energetic navigation because mm -hmm. i have long since studied um, the cycles the cycles of life the cycles of patterns um I'm versed in even things like astrology or the gene keys, things like that, which I refer to as data points because I understand some people look at it and they may get a little, um, some, there, there's, a, there's a lot of polarity around these topics. But what I explain to people is when you look at all the, the different patterns of life as data points, just like you do with cycles of history, yeah. cycles of anything coming into the space, and you take a step back it gives you a more comprehensive map yeah mm -hmm. that you can explore so 
That being said, I study a lot of cycles and one of my skill sets is I have the ability to decipher patterns of energy. Now, I talk about self, right? I talked a little bit about the individual and the expanded self. And many of us here are aware that although we are having individualized experiences, we are also a collective. We are a not just a human collective, right? In which our individualized energies are also connected all to each other at that energetic soul level. I like to express it sort of like if you viewed a tree branch, if you viewed like a tree and it had all the branches and we're like maybe the leaves on the tree. Yeah. And it's like, yes, we're the leaves, but we're also all connected to the to these and okay, these are our soul families and they're all the least, but then this is the soul cluster. But then even the leaves over here are still just a part of yeah. us. Like we're the, yeah, you know, we're the whole organism. Yes. Yeah. Right. We're the, we're the whole thing. And I say that because we're, we're having shared experiences. And in a sense, what we experience in our microcosm realm is an experience of the macrocosm organism. We are going through a time of great shift right now. This is a very exciting time to be alive. Say the least. Because it's a, this is a transformative time. Mm-hmm. And we're speaking a little bit to what you said about um, the trajectory, you know, of going into being etheric beings, so to speak. And I would concur with you that the trajectory that I have sensed and that I know many have sensed is that we are going to a trajectory where our current forms may be almost completely unrecognizable Mm -hmm. by the time we hit a certain trajectory in our, let's call it in our evolution. What's interesting though, is from my perspective and from what I've experienced, the path, the pathway in a sense to that etheric, to that expanded state doesn't come from a rejection of the body or the animal self. It's almost, it's such a deep integration and acceptance of the current self, of the working with the animal, that through that, through that, you want to call it almost non-resistance, through the alchemy of completely merging, it's almost like a, a transformation happens. It's almost like through the through the pressure that suddenly becomes stillness something mm. happens mm. and it's not just when the individual d- does it it's when as a collective just like a tree you know a tree might have a bud here or there but at one point suddenly all the blossoms open suddenly all the all the fruit comes in the same way humanity we are we are having our individualized experiences, but we are also in a way synchronizing towards this towards this point of flowering. And the pathway, the pathway to those higher states of consciousness, and I want to reiterate, at least for myself, has been a deep embrace of the animal and of the current version of self, because it's not about trying to escape this reality or this version of self through trying to project myself over here. 
over here happens because I come so fully present into this moment Mm -hmm. that the flowering emerges. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Over here happens because you're over here. It's the only way. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. There's no other way too. You have to. You can't spiritually bypass. We've all heard that buzzword, but it's true. (laughs) You can't spiritually bypass this thing. As much as my intuition knows where this is all going to end up, you can't skip the steps in between. And the steps in between is us recognizing where we are, you know, us reaping our karma, as some may say. Um, mm. Yeah, you can't skip that, man. But that's part of the process. That's part of the journey. Embracing that. It is. Embracing the dark as much as the light. And that will eventually bring us to a new relationship with the light. I think that we're a little imbalanced. That's the thing is we're a little bit in the, uh, right now we're a little bit too material. We're a little bit too yeah, material minded. You know, materialism is the most popular dogma that there is. Um, so we're a little bit too, uh, yeah, we're a little bit too much on that wavelength of lower self, lower chakras, you know, the second and third chakra one may say. So I think the process is, is, you know, elevating that a little bit more figuring out there's a little bit more to the human condition that's going on and uh that's the start with the baseline of the lower self for sure starts with that foundation but it's it's not just like stopping there because you can we talked about health right oh yes and being healthy there's plenty of healthy people that are just like all about the body that's it they're just health freaks but there's no integration of the higher self you know the third eye the higher chakras so it's like they have, they have the beautiful foundation for sure, but it still is the mind aspect or maybe the spirit aspect that is lacking. And that's what I would say is lacking throughout all of civilization right now and all of us and all, all of our paths. It's lacking that connection that we spoke about, the true integration. That's another buzzword, but the integration between the, the connection between all of us, the spirit, the soul with the great foundation of health of your body the health of the self and um yeah that's the the bridge i guess we have to build the gap that we have to cross and i think that's the current transition that we're uh currently living in is a sort of puberty (laughs) you know a sort of puberty of uh humanity altogether consciousness altogether and growing into true uh true like i don't even know what what i was gonna say i was gonna say transcendence but it's not transcendence true like who we really are what a human being really is past the animal self like truly Mm -hmm. really what we are but that's that's the tricky part because i'm saying that we're moving past the animal self but then you said well no we have to embrace the animal self yeah that's that actually is true it might sound contradictory but that's how we do it it's like how we transcend ultimately the animal self to get out of those animalistic instincts like war, you know, fear, greed, jealousy, all that just competitiveness. How we transcend that is actually recognize that and recognizing that, hey man, maybe that's not the way. <laughs> recognizing, embracing that, and then transmutating that energy into a better way. It's like you have to know what you're not, what it ain't. What I like to say, you have to know what ain't it first. Recognize what ain't it in order to know what is it. So I think this really what the whole path is right now for us is recognizing what ain't it in order for us to realize what is it 
and what I mean by that is like how we actually live, how we, how what a human being is in this itness. Um, I hope that made sense. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, it made a it made a lot of sense. And you know what I hear you say is self awareness. You know, being being aware, like you said, what what it ain't it. Mm-hmm. Being aware of it is one of the first steps because if we're glossing over that or just trying to, you know, go over here, Mm -hmm. we're maybe the word bypassing and on some level we're trying to maybe bypass or, and here's the interesting thing, because I love that you brought this up. Here's the really interesting thing. The reason why I have perceived, at least for myself, the embrace of the animal, we're using kind of animals as shorthand, but let's even say the embrace of the shadow. Shadow work has Mm. been a real popular thing lately. Mm -hmm. And shadow, the real simple explanation is just anything we just don't want to look at. Anything like whatever ain't it, anything that is Mm -hmm. just like, oh, that's not ideal or that's something I do. And what happens when we when we attempt to keep things in the shadow is it's kind of like trying it's like a faucet's on and we're trying to put a finger there to stop the water and yeah. and what that does is it just creates more of a like the stream just yeah. it doesn't really stop it it just creates more of a like more pressure this intense mm-hmm. so here's the interest an interesting thing for those who are listening because we talked a little bit about embracing the animal but here's a perspective that might be really helpful. We, if we, let's, let's, let's shift the word animal to even shadow, like the shadow parts of the animal, the things that are seemingly undesirable. Like when we talked about, let's take care of our health and the people are listening, like, I mean, I get that, but also cookies are like great, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or anything, right. Anything that, anything we feel ashamed of, guilty of that we feel pressure and resistance to, this is what we might say shadow. It doesn't even have to be bad. It's just that repression. Being aware of it is the first step without judgment, like just simply being aware of it. Oh, I love sex. Oh, I, I love, you know, eating till I puke. I love drinking. I love that. Whatever it is, Mm -hmm. right. Like, Oh, those are, those are the things I shouldn't do. What if we just didn't do that? We observed it Mm -hmm. and we go, when I love these things, what's it really saying about me? Okay, maybe if I love drinking, I love I, I love entering transcendent states where I feel a different level of consciousness, sex. I love feeling energy through my body. I love feeling empowered and good, right? Eating a lot of food. I love tasting and being just direct with life. And what I'm saying there is in every single shadow, there is a gift. In every single shadow, there is a transcendence. As an alchemist, when you look at the shadows without judgment, you have the raw material. And what you start to do with your animals, you go, boy, you really like doing that, don't you? Hmm. And they go, yeah, I like doing that. And you go, great. How is, what, what are some of the ways we can play with that? Where you and I, we don't have to play this tug of war. And instead, hmm. we can be, we can have those in life and be curious. And this is where you get tantric yogis for example we're like we're not going to rep- we're not going to repress our sexual energy but how can we play with it and guide it and breathe it in so now we're doing art now we're doing other things now we're we're consciously working with our incredible amount of energy how are we you know instead of just consuming food or something until we're 
um, you know, sick, where are the places where like my body wants to be nourished? Okay, let's let's play with the different foods that could nourish it. I'm not going to restrict you, but we're going to be mindful of it. We're not doing it unconsciously. And we're going to reprogram our relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And this is how we start working with the animals and the shadows. And suddenly, you know what happens? All that energy that was spent repressing or running away from or feeling guilty suddenly gets unlocked. And that's the lightning bolt that mm-hmm. happens when we're alchemists that suddenly transforms us from Gandalf the gray, so to speak, mm-hmm. to Gandalf the white. Yeah. Because now that the energy doesn't have to be locked in battle with the animal, now you're riding on the back of the animal and you guys are like forward. And this is this is the shift. That's good. Very good stuff. Very yeah, wise, powerful. Daniel. where does this all come from for you like how did this how did you get on this wavelength because i feel as though that's the hardest part of this whole thing yes. you know getting the message getting the glimpse into this alchemization knowing that it's even possible you know seeing seeing outside of the, the pains and pleasures of the body knowing there's a little more going on you know where does this all come from for you? How'd you get on this wavelength? Great question. Well, from a personal place, my my own personal blueprint and background is built. I would say I was I was almost literally built for this at a DNA level, at a soul level, at a frequency level. Every single one of us has a level of genius within us, right? We talked a little bit about being a collective. When we are our true selves, when we are not engaged in stories, our genius can flower. When it flowers, we naturally and synchronistically find our place within the collective in which what we are doing and how we are existing moment to moment is of deep service to not only ourselves, but everyone around us. I found myself exploring these topics because the life that I was born into and lived, I would say, let me see how how deep I want to go with this. For me personally, the life that I was born into lent and the body I was born into was built to have in between world sensitive connections. Some of us and some who are attuned here are aware they have those gifts as well. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us has different certain levels of attunement. But I want to emphasize, it's not better or worse to have this kind of sensitivity or skill set. Because every single one of us has a genius that when we allow ourselves to tap into it, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's, Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a skill. So for myself... I had parents who had a lot of emphasis on things like meditation and on on, uh, spirituality and taught meditation, breathwork techniques from a very young age. That's awesome. I experienced it. It was wonderful in a lot of ways. And I learned grounding because I almost had the opposite experience of materialism. I had like material doesn't matter, right? I had like just spirit. 
And through my adult life, I learned to also embrace the material realm so that I could work with both the spirit and the material, which is what the magician or the wizard or anyone does. It works with material and spirit, masculine and feminine. It works with the polarities to bring things into reality, so to speak. And for myself, I also had very intense experiences in my life that inspired me to want to find answers in the universe, like many of us do, you know, when you go through intensity and you you ask yourself, well, what's the meaning of life or what's the point or what, why this, why that? I don't believe we need to go through hardships to reach these points, but it certainly is one of the catalysts mm -hmm. that can happen mm -hmm. to bring us, you know, into these deeper realms of exploration. For those of us who are who are here, many who are interested in these topics, we are often what's described as perhaps old souls. And I think that a way we can describe it is we have, um, I often see everything in reality is happening simultaneously. It's almost like if we saw a lightning bolt, right? It looks instantaneous, but if you slow it down, it's almost like you can you can track where the energy is moving out and branching out. And if we were to compare an experience of lifetimes to a lightning bolt, it's both happening simultaneously, but then from another perspective, theoretically, sequentially. Mm -hmm. And if you are attuned, you can actually be attuned to all of them simultaneously. That's and so smart. you might say, exactly. And so if you might say an old soul is someone who has like a lot, you know, a lot of different quantum uh, entangled lifetimes. Yeah. To, branches, mycelial branches in the network. Exactly. The quantum world. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would, I would suspect many who are tuning in are of that nature and may relate to this on some level. Cause oftentimes when we have that, we also have a lot of conscious and unconscious memories of um, intensity and pain and thing, those materials that have probably helped us reach higher states of consciousness that we now bring into this current moment reality that may help inspire us to explore these topics or develop our extrasensory gifts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 What would you say generally it comes from a sense of suffering, a sense of like, hey, man, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way to look at this, approach life, live life altogether. Would you say, I mean, I'm only asking that because I know that's what the sages say. That's, you know, that's 101 <laughs> yogic literature. Uh, you know, <laughs> suffering brings us to God. So would you say generally that's kind of the case? You know, I would say that our relationship, our relationship to suffering is mm -hmm. has frequently been the catalyst for exploration and transformation. And one of the reasons I think it stands out to us a lot is that in general, 
um, the response to suffering is one to try and move away from it or avoidance. But the transcendence happens when we instead embrace the suffering. This is also in a lot of teachings as well, because the irony is that suffering, it's like the light and dark, right? If you, if you replace suffering with dark, we try and run from the dark. Um, it's like, I think of the picture of the person running from their shadow and the shadow is just like you know, <laughs> attached to the feet, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're just like, Oh, I've just been running so much. Yeah. And in the same way, when we're trying to like fix the suffering, there's like this, this great joke of like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get all the information, all the knowledge. I'm going to do the spiritual transcendence. And it does, in a sense, develop ourselves only to come back to the start and realize that the answer was to embrace the suffering all along. Yeah. And yet it's almost like a chicken and egg question. Like, yeah, what came first, right? Mm. Right. What came is, was it like, would you have reached the transcendence about if you didn't go on the hero's journey, so to speak? And, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's the, the cosmic joke, which is like, Suffering is both yeah. completely required and not required at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks, but it's also grace at the same time. Yes. Hmm. That's my thought. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Damn. <laughs> this is a good talk. Great question. <laughs> it, is. it is. Oh, man. I don't really even know where to go from here, man. Um, Well, I guess maybe if I asked you a question. Yeah, whatever you got, hit me. (laughs) So I'm very curious what right now, you know, we're at at such an interesting point Mm -hmm. in our lives, uh, you know, individually and collectively. What right now do you feel is the most important thing for a person to focus on in their day-to-day life if they want, if they want to truly not only embody, we can say the true selves, but embody the version of themselves that's connected to the timeline and reality where they are their most expanded, evolved selves. Hmm. That's a good one. I would say day-to-day develop a meditation practice. Simply in a very general sense, I think if we all found some sort of meditation, and I'm speaking like actually, you know, Anapanasati meditation, breathing. If we all had that 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, we'd do a lot of good, I think. Time to just disconnect from all the goings on of our lives, all the drama, you know, all the narrative, all the phenomena, TikTok, Fox News, whatever's going on in your life, to just find a little bit of quiet time. I feel as though would be the most efficient way for all of us to reach that. And that's very generalized. I know there's different yogas, there's different way, there's different ways to the way, (laughs) you know, it's karma yoga, Johnny yoga, bhakti yoga, um, Raja yoga. So we all have our different ways, but I feel as though the most simple way for all of us to do it we don't need anything. It's to find quiet time. I think we can all make time to find quiet time. And that's the thing too, is you don't need a lot of time. Like I said, 15, 20 minutes a day for us to just disconnect, breathe and see what's going on. Notice. You have to notice. That's the first step. Notice how you're feeling. It might seem a little scary. That's the thing. I think a lot of us are reluctant to do that, which is understandable. I get it. 
to go within and see what's really going on. Really check out those uh, those demons in the cupboards of the closet, you know, really feel it and embrace it. You have to. There's no other way to see what's happening in, in the depths of one's mind. You have to do that. You have to find time to just breathe, meditate, and form some kind of ritual around that. And I don't think it's for everybody, for sure. We all have different minds, but I think a good majority of people could benefit from that at this point. Just simply meditate, man. Simply meditate. And then that's if you want to say one thing, because that's what you ask, like, what's one thing? That's the number one thing. But obviously, there's other things to take into account um, that are should be built upon the meditation, like a yoga practice, a workout practice, an outlet of creativity. All of those could be also looked at as a meditation. But since you asked for one thing, just simply slow down, breathe, and chill. <laughs> That's it. Find some time to chill where you don't have to be like engaged in something, you know, caught by some kind of stimuli. Just chill, man. Just find some time to chill. Ooh, you agree? Well said. Well said. <laughs> you know, I I say that is such a I agree that that is such a powerful practice because the note that I'll share to that in in tandem with what you said is our most powerful tool is our focus. Mm-hmm. Where we place our focus and how yeah. we place our focus. Yeah. And what you're describing is a practice for reorienting our focus and yeah. reclaiming our personal energy, like you said, like turn off the you know, TV or be aware of where you're placing it and doing a daily practice of meditation is one of the ways that we can cultivate not only how we direct our focus, but reclaim our power from external places that we have kind of set out there and bring it back. So I think that's very, very, very well said. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I also see focus as being almost as a commodity, something that we have, and it kind of is, it can be quantified. You know, we only have certain amount of hours in the day, certain amount of minutes that we have that we can utilize our focus. And right now I feel as though what's happening in the world is we're giving it away. We're just giving it up. The, you're giving up your focus to somebody else's creation uh, ultimately. And uh, yeah. if you can utilize your own focus effectively, take a hold of it, um, you just create a better life, man. I don't know how else to say it. You just be a lot happier, to put it simply, for lack of a better word. If you can really take a hold of your focus throughout the just endless ways that the focus is trying to get... Um, Susceptible by other people's, you know, other people's creations. If you can find your own way to your own focus, yeah, that's when the magic starts. That's when you can truly alchemize. If not, then you're just being swept up by anything, man. I don't know. You're just kind of a weak individual. I hate to say it that way, but truly a strong individual in today's world is someone that knows how to take a hold of um just how to think man because it's really right now it seems like you you can either think for yourself or somebody else is thinking for you and that's not going away anytime soon especially with the advent of ai you're either going to have the machines think for you or you're going to 
think for yourself and not even like yourself, like, you know, kind of going off here, but like yourself as in like that higher self will think, you know, that higher self will naturally discern. You can focus on that and it becomes effortless. It becomes, you know, just easier, less inertia in life. When you're letting other things think for you, the inertia is always there because you're not living accordance to the way, like there's some kind of incongruence in one's being. It's easy to see because I'm not perfect. That's the thing. I recognize when I get lost in the sauce, I get sucked into some kind of TikTok trend or dance or whatever's going on. And then, you know, I come back into a sense of meditation. I'm like, what? Why? Why, Gary? How? Why did you do that? It just doesn't feel right. So I'm speaking from a point of imperfection, but I know what is right and what is wrong, right? And I think this is what we talked about. We have to know what's wrong in order to know what's right. So I know I fall, I still fall. I'm not an enlightened being. I am not a perfect being. But once you are on this wavelength, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. It's just simple. Like, it's just simple. Like I know when I mess up, I know. I don't feel guilty for it. I just know. I just like, oh, this probably spent a little too much time on Instagram today. <laughs> Whoops, I'll try again tomorrow. Um, so yeah, can't be emphasized enough. To myself, speaking this to, to me, to you, Danielle, anybody that's listening, meditation is a major key in today's world. To be able to come back in, still the mind, tap in with that inner guidance, that inner compass, God, one could say, tap in with that. And from there, it'll lead the way. But it has to be ritualized. Like, it has to be very earnest. That's the thing. If you, I don't know. If you fall off the wagon... It's very easy to fall off the wagon. And if you fall off, you can always get back on, thankfully. But if you fall off, um, how do I put this? The devil's lurking in every corner, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, it's like it's so easy to fall off and get tempted. The temptations are very many. They're very many, but they're not as strong as the temptation of the soul. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say. Kind of went off on a little rant there. Uh, meditation. <laughs> meditation that's it uh, yeah. i think that was that was a great rant because yeah. what i heard you say too you know when i heard you talk about for example and thank you for bringing up you know the fact that we are all in human experiences mm-hmm. and like you said you know you have times you're looking at instagram and then you feel and you're like oh yeah that maybe wasn't serving my you know the the, the part of me that i know wants to be nourished mm-hmm. and um for sure. Like we all have that. And and I will include myself in there. You know, there's times where I, I will lose, do something too, or I'll get sidetracked or I'll be like, Oh, I do this, do that. And it's not, you know, I would love to share to whoever's listening that the key here is it's not about judgment and it's not a failing to be human. Mm-hmm. If anything, really what it comes down to is like you said, when you don't hold judgment about it and you just come from a place of discernment yeah. and you're like, Oh, I did that. Okay, cool. I'm observing that. And now I'm coming back on track. It's, it's not about perfection. It's about, can I maintain this maybe 80 or 90% of the time? Mm -hmm. And I feel like when we approach it from that way, not only are we being a little bit more understanding with ourselves, we understand even nature itself, it's both perfectly imperfect. You know, trees sometimes grow and then they come sometimes to the side and they go, okay, whatever. Now I'm just going to grow this way. You know, it's not a, it's not a failed tree. It's just, okay, great. 
now, now we're from here, right? Yeah. And in the same way as humans, we can just keep orienting ourselves. You don't need to spend a lot of energy beating yourself up for things. You simply go, oh, and this is what it is to work with the beast. You go, oh, the beast was starting to pivot this way. Okay, I saw what you were doing, and now we're reorienting again. It's yep. just redirect, redirect. And that consistency you talked about is the ability to keep patterns in place that support us versus feeding into the patterns that diminish exactly what we are focusing on. Yeah, it's all about building the right patterns. We are yes. literally creatures of habit. So if you can structure your life with good habits, simple habits, that's like the life of a monk. That's literally what a monk does. That's what monkhood is all about. You are in a very regimented lifestyle that is pretty much your entire life is the ritual to be devoid of any distraction. Yeah. You, don't, you don't have to don the robes and become a monk and change your name, but you can learn from that and, and take essences of the monk into your life. That's what I do at least. To, that leads ultimately to a great simplification of life because I feel as though that is where this all leads to is a great simplification. The mm. discernment, you know, you know, the discernment leads yeah. to simplifying the rituals. And uh, yeah, Rome wasn't built in a day for sure. It's not overnight this happens, but it does actually happen relatively quick. I feel as though in the last, uh, I'm pretty young, but in the last like, I don't know, five years, I've changed a lot for sure. In five years, I don't know, depending on how you look at it, it may seem like a long time. But it's really not. That's like that's nothing. Five True. years is nothing. I don't. I don't feel like it. In, in terms of changing, like changing your soul, like five years is nothing. I'm just saying five. I've been about on this path per se, in, in this form of Gary for five years. I'd say, and uh, yeah, night and day. It's I see it as a reincarnation, and uh, yeah. So we could say it's not overnight for sure, but it, it's not. If you were really adamant about this, if you're really earnest in one's pursuant of this um connection with god with the greater self it'll happen pretty quick you know happen effortlessly too it'll just happen it's just natural you just naturally blossom you know the flower of your <laughs> life will just naturally blossom honestly and that may sound sound like, like gary come on man grandiose cliche really come on hippie talk but no it's real it's real stuff man um and the, the the thing is too right is we can talk about this all we want we've talked about this for for like an hour hour and a half now um there's only so much a podcast is going to do for you there's only so many youtube videos that you could watch or how, how many books you could watch ultimately when it comes down to it you just got to do it man you just got to do it we all do it in our own way i recommend meditation but you just gotta you gotta walk the path you have to walk the path yourself. Nobody else is going to save you. Jesus ain't coming back. Maybe. I don't know. That's a whole different discussion. But you got to be your own Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you got to resurrect the Christ consciousness within yourself. That's really what it's all about. And mm. nobody's going to do it for you. Definitely not me. I'm definitely not going to do it for you. Nobody's going to do it for you. There's guides. It's wonderful guides. And that's the beautiful, the byproduct of the beautiful time that we're in. There's, there's countless guides out there. But they're just guides. They're just fingers pointing at the moon. So as long as you don't mistake uh, the finger for the moon, you're good. But I feel as though a lot of us are getting stuck at uh, the finger and thinking that's the moon, you know, thinking that's the way. That's, you know, that's the uh, the guru complex that we've all been caught in. That's that's not it, man. You have to do it yourself. You got you to gotta go within yourself earnestly 
regularly, daily, I would say. Ultimately, it leads to daily, and then you'll become Gandalf the White. <laughs> slowly, slowly but surely. But like I said, not even slowly. Definitely surely, though. Definitely surely. Yeah. I don't have anything else to say. You want to end, wrap it up at na- that note? Um, do you have any last words off of that? Anything you want to say? Yes, I'll just say deep appreciation to both you, Gary, and you who has chosen to tune into this. It's, you know, we are all co-creating this experience together, you know, you and me, but also you who is listening, because we are, this is literally how we create and co-create our reality. We're placing focus here. And I feel that by all of us placing this focus here in these ways, we are that much closer to the alchemy, not just individually, but collectively of the reality that we most want to experience in that expanded way. And so I am envisioning for all of us here that we are, again, that much closer to being aware of our truest selves. And I wanted to, uh, yeah, I think I just want to say simple is the key here. Simple is mm. the key to transcendence. Yep. And on that note, I feel complete. Amen. Keep it simple, for sure. Keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Danielle. This was uh, an amazing talk. Uh, you're definitely a real one. I can feel it, feel it through time and space, through the camera, through the microphone, through the headphones. I feel it, man. So uh, yeah, keep doing your thing. I wish you all the best. Um, I really thank you for coming on here. And uh, thank you to anybody that listened to this song. Seriously, you're a real one as well. And uh, that's it. Keep on keeping on and peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love, Mary. <laughs> Goodbye.